Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome to No Particular Hurry. Plenty going on this offseason. Teams have begun practicing. The Sixers division looks pretty tough. Boston, Toronto, Sixers, Nets, and who knows, maybe the Knicks will play harder under Tom Tabata. I don't know. James Harden apparently wants out, could be on the move, and has named Philadelphia as a team he'd like to join after previously naming Brooklyn. So who better to bring on than a guy who's paid to obsess over the particulars? I've enjoyed his work for many, many years now. He's a co-founder of the awesome Hardwood Knox NBA podcast, deputy editor at NBA Math, and he's a national NBA staff writer at Bleacher Report, where he's written excellent work for 10 years and counting. No easy feat in a tough industry. Let's welcome Dan Favalli. Dan, how you doing? I'm doing well, Dave. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm really good. There's, I don't even know where to begin. Do we begin on the Sixers? Do we begin on John Wall and Russell Westbrook? It's your Is podcast. There something- you tell me. <laughs> Is there something on your mind that you want that you want to talk about? Uh, you, you you actually kind of predicted this trade, right? I I wouldn't say like I thought it was going to happen. I said it should like be a matter of it was at the beginning of the offseason. I said, how about Washington and Houston just trade point guard problems at this point? <laughs> um, and I think the reaction to the actual trade uh, kind of proves that no one shares my logic. Basically, like I think Wizards fans feel more comfortable with the deal, even though they're losing John Wall, who's been like such a presence in that city than Rockets fans. And I I do think Houston's assuming most of the risk here, just because Wall hasn't played since December, 2018. Um, And you have Harden's future (laughs) up in the air. Right. And what does it say about Westbrook's value though, that it only took a protected first round pick to uh, get Wall off like Washington's books. So like either Ew. you're really confident in what Wall's but looked like post recovery, or the Westbrook contract was really viewed that disfavorably. But I'm intrigued by like I I feel like we kind of know what Russ is going to do in in Washington. <laughs> I feel like they're you know I don't know that I would put them in the the guaranteed playoff spots right now, like one of the top six, but they're infinitely more likely to have that happen just because he's going to play more games than wall probably. And I think he's going to do a better job of uplifting lineups just by virtue of his scoring that don't include Bradley Beal, assuming the wizards uh, keep Bradley Beal. I'm more intrigued. You think by- they'll keep Bradley Beal? I have no idea. I like if I was Bradley Beal, I don't know how I'd feel about this just because <laughs> you had Tommy Shepard say this was your franchise. And now you've just acquired someone who I would say Russell Westbrook's an, like a, a pretty, in a vacuum, a demonstrative upgrade over John Wall. He did just make third team All-NBA, but he's been talking about how he basically wants to play like he did back in OKC when everything ran through him after Kevin Durant. And I mean, he plays Bradley basketball, and that's big. Right. So I don't... I'm more intrigued about, though, I think from the Rockets' standpoint. I think there's more upside there because Wall has shot like 38% on catch-and-shoot threes over his past three healthy seasons, which obviously dates back to 2015-16 at this so- point. So do you think they're going to keep Harden? I I think they try, and I I feel like the way that Harden gets moved is if they are bad. Like, and that's just going to accelerate the process. Because Like, like Simmons for Harden just makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? 
uh, it makes a lot of sense for the Rockets. I don't know if it makes a lot of sense for like maybe. Yeah, I mean, you're the Sixers guys. So, like you would do that trade straight up. You're you're, you're Daryl Morey. Uh, if I'm Daryl Morey, I'm not doing it. Not doing it. Okay. At least not yet. Like I need to. The roster in Philly seems to like make sense all of a sudden, and so I'd like to see like based off how Simmons and Embiid played like the the metrics ever when they were on the floor together for the first. Um, was it two years, like two full seasons that they were together were really good. <laughs> I'm, so- all right, I, I'm your intern. I'm like, well, he just like separated his patella. He broke his foot. He's got a spine problem. Can you get like a top four player? And then, yeah, but what is Harden's then- window as a top four player? Like James Harden is James Harden is 32. Is he 31? What, what is he now? He's like- 31. He'll be 32 next year. Yeah. So like you, yeah, you have him under contract for you know, let's just say three years, even though he has that player option. Like you, yeah, yeah. But like, what is his? He is the better fit, I guess, alongside Joel Embiid. But now you're tying your future to Embiid, who is probably you just pencil in for like at least fifteen to twenty games out a year, and then Harden, who's been historically durable, but he's going into his age thirty one season, and so you're you're shrinking your window. I would say to like. I would feel like it's three to four years just because you don't have anyone historically else. Historically adorable. What's that? Historically adorable. There you go. That's the way Sorry, it is. Worst, worst joke I've ever made. I had to think about that one for a minute. It caught me off guard. So that means it was probably a good one. It was a good one. But like, Simmons, no, it's horrible. it's horrible. I just get weird. Like Ben Simmons is uh, basically an all NBA player right now. And he's 24. And I know the thing yeah, beat yeah. isn't the cleanest, but can you like, I would need something else back if I were the Sixers in a hardened trade. And I'm definitely not including anything like attached to Ben Simmons other than, you know, salary filler to make the money work. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What is this? Am I like, what is the sentiment like among like the Sixers fan base? Like they would just do that trade. I, I would feel like if I had to ballpark it, it's like 60, 40. I think there are the folks who agree with you that, it, you know, Ben is young. Ben is an elite defender. Uh, and Ben has upside, and if he were to choose to shoot or learn to shoot, and then that upside is ridiculous. Um, but he, you know, he maybe we, he's got yips. Maybe he's got something like yips. I don't know. He doesn't want to shoot at all. So I think that the sentiment is not split, but electoral college level. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I, I just that is. I, I guess I mean sixty forty is like fairly close, so that doesn't surprise me. And I get it because Harden is. I don't know. Don't ask me. I have no idea. He's so Harden is so much better now. But I'm just like trying to think long term, knowing the concerns you already have with Embiid. Like I would at least like I need to see. That's something that I would be more likely to consider. And this sounds stupid because I'm concerned about Harden's age. But you would need to ask me about this like next off season or maybe at the trade deadline. If the Sixers are like a complete flop after they've, you know, added Curry and green. <laughs> right. What, so what do you think of their new additions? What do you think of Daryl Morey? What do you think of Seth Curry? What do you think of Josh Rich being gone? You know, what's funny is that I think people like that trade saw how many people like forgot that Josh Richardson was really good. Uh, he was banged up last year. So I understand that. And then, Obviously, he's Philly's, got hammy issues, yeah. Right, and then Philly's roster for what he does is probably not like the best fit. So I think the trade made so much sense from the Sixers' perspective. I think if you look since 2016, Seth Curry is like the most accurate three-point shooter among everyone who's attempted at least 1,000 threes. So that's huge for them. And he's just he's gonna comp- he's like he's better on defense. Like people have said he competes, but I think he's actually like good 
on the ball. And so like, you're not giving anything up by playing him in closing lineups. And the fact that they only gave up, I know it was a distant first to get off of Horford, but I liked the idea of consolidating the risk where it may have taken like two firsts if they were imminent to deal Horford. And you've just consolidated that now into this one first round pick down the line. I actually like that idea. And you got Danny Greenback, who I know Lakers fans kind of turned on him in the NBA finals, but he makes so much sense for this roster just because he can space the floor. He's still a pretty good defender in transition. And again, he's someone that's going to hold up positionally anyway. So their roster makes so much more sense, as I said at the top. And I think that they're going to be uh, much better than last year, particularly when you have Doc Rivers talking about, well, we're going to get Tobias Harris to dribble less. And while Harris has like some creation to his game, last year they needed... What does this mean for Tobias? Would, like, if you were Tobias, what would you be feeling? Because I, I agree with everything you've just said. I mean, like, if Doc, the way he's framing it is that he wants to use Tobias like he did when they were in Los Angeles together. And so that one piece scares me. Like, is he going to manufacture touches for Toby in the way that Billy Bean, like, elevated a, a closer in order to trade him? You know what I mean? Like, like Tobias was perfect trade bait back then. And I mean, the I think everyone in the moment, though, even knew that the Sixers overpaid. <laughs> yeah, I I like the trade because we had Butler, and I was like, oh, yay! Oh yeah, that's right. Jimmy Butler played for this team and doesn't anymore. I forgot about that. If you have if you have Butler and you have JJ, it's like okay. Well, if Tobias is literally your fifth option, hell, let's right. do it. Well, I think the the I guess the one issue with this team would still be like I think you can get caught up like. All right, the backup center minutes now, like if those are going to go to Dwight Howard, like religiously, that could be a problem. Uh, I know he was fine last year, but I'd be, I'm just curious to see how it works out. Like when you're dealing with, you know, if Dwight Howard and Ben Simmons are on the court at the same time, that's going to be uh, a literal spacing nightmare. And then I think you can, you know, shake Milton or Tyrese Maxey, like how ready are they to like log heavy um, backup guard minutes? So there are questions. And I, I think the bigger one probably still is, and this might be the overarching problem is, Who's there like who's playing that Jimmy Butler type role down the stretch? And the answer is probably nobody because they nobody. can't no one's gonna put that type of pressure on the rim. And so you have to figure out a way to manu- manufacture shots another way, which I think they have the personnel to do, but that's still like, you know, if we're talking playoffs, like you still kind of need a player like that. And this brings me back to just the the quick Tobias Harris point is is he's not that guy and they sort of like need him to be that guy down the stretch where he can put some pressure on the rim or create for himself. And while I think he could do that. Um, minus the pressure on the rim, to be honest with you. Like, while I think he can create for the first, you know, 40 to 43 minutes of a game, like in somewhat solid fashion, I, I just don't know that he's that crunch time weapon. Nah, he, he's, a, he's a hell of a regular season player, but like, oh, yeah. It's hard for me to criticize him because he seems like such a good dude. Like, and, and he's as good of a dude as it gets. Right, just like seeing, uh, especially on like um, Matisse Thibel's YouTube channel, like where you didn't really see like a ton of the other like Sixers main guys. Um, Tobias Harris was just omnipresent there. He was always the ones like leading their conversations about social justice. I might be biased too because uh, him and I used to go to the same barber, apparently. So, oh, for real? Yeah, uh, the barber. Uh, not anymore. I've grown out of that. I'm getting old. I'm trying to preserve as much hair as I have. So, uh, so what do you get now? Um, I get a three on the sides and then spike it up up top. I, I just did mine yesterday all by myself, completely shaved the whole thing. I I don't didn't know. even look. Didn't even look. <laughs> I would did be it. terrified to cut my own hair. 
Yeah, I'm not a, enough Zoom to to really care, so I was just like, oh, I'm just gonna do it. <laughs> um, I applaud you for that. But yeah, Tobias Harris seems like a his contract is bad. I think we could say that because now he's gone from Philly's brutal, brutal, fifth brutal. best player to like I guess they still need him to be their third best player. So. If he if like like JJ was shooting more than him, and he, like he was horrible, like it was bad like he couldn't finish on pascal he couldn't finish on you know like he couldn't score on a second level a second round so it was rough it was rough but if he but he went why did he go three for 18 in that series if he could have done a little better <laughs> if he could have done a little better he would have been a, a huge signing so Letting letting Butler walk, I think, made Tobias take more shots. And like his scoring just wasn't that. If you look at like uh, he averaged what was it eighteen point two points per game in Philly, like during the half season that he was there, twenty seven games, whatever it was, and then he was only at nineteen point six last year. So it's not like those uh, like extra shots, and there weren't even like that many of them when you're looking at the raw numbers. But it's not even like losing JJ and Jimmy Butler really inflated his scoring. Yeah. All right. So let me let's transition. What do you think of Doc Rivers to the Sixers? I I like it. Like from a coach who's going to come in, and it feels like he'll hold players accountable more so than we've seen with the Sixers. Because I think yeah, the biggest Derek knock- partner was joking. He was like, "Oh, what is he going to do? Yell at Ben to shoot threes? <laughs> right. And then it's also just I think the worst kept secret in the league because it's not a secret is that um, Philly's young players have just had like the run of the place since they've gotten there. And so I think he's you think so. I I mean, like just looking at the stuff that the way things went down with Nerlens Noel, Julia Okafor, and then the yeah. stuff that was in the the wind about you know. Did, did Ben Simmons not want Jimmy Butler there? And then even just Jimmy Butler, like having culture shock when he went is to Philly. That, is that a thing? Like, did Ben like have that sense? I think that that that's not anything that I was told firsthand, but like, that was the, I feel like. I the, read that too. And I'm like, Oh, come on. Really? And it's like, would they give him that type of agency to make that call? Because there's also Jimmy could have just wanted to I be in Miami. Have. Like it seems like he really did. So, but I do think doc, like, comes in from that standpoint and helps. And I think he does a lot more creative things on offense than people give him credit for. The thing that makes me nervous is that the Clippers locker room essentially fell apart under him twice. Like when you're looking at the lob city era to what happened twice, more than twice. Yeah. So now you're bringing him into a Sixers like team where maybe having Daryl Morey there and changing up the roster helps, but like they didn't have like the best chemistry. And if you think that, you know, when Bede and Simmons have too much power, um, or if they're not necessarily in love with playing with each other, which I feel like that's probably been overblown. But like, if there's a any element of instability here, um, just what how Los Angeles ended, like that would make me nervous about the the Rivers addition. All right, so Dan, I've read your work. Let's say I gave you truth serum, and let's say I was like, <sighs> you know, Maury, Maury has to work with Doc, and Doc Doc got exited from Boston for not being as open to analytics as Stevens was. Well, he also wanted and, out too, because they were going to rebuild. Like he yeah, was, yeah. but, uh, but they literally prescribed him. They were like, in your next, in your next venture, you should like listen to more of the analytics. And then in, you know, and you saw the splits between, Oh my God, the splits between Harrell and Zubats were brutal. 
brutal. Yeah, I mean, look, he did not make adjustments in the playoffs. So right. that was clear. So he went with his gut. Is this a weird fit? I think you could argue it's a weird fit because of that. And then also like Doc Rivers was in place and then Daryl Morey came over. I think what helps it is that um, Doc Rivers interviewed for the Rockets at coaching position first. Before Morey was gone, yeah. Um, but I guess the upshot there is that Morey was telling Coach Cadiz that he wasn't going to be there. So maybe he really just didn't care. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's um, it seems like, I mean, on the surface right now, it seems like they're on the same page, but I think that's something you'll kind of notice by like, if we fast forward 20 games into the season, like you'll understand whether Maury and Doc are on the same page. And that's not to say that Maury wants to come in and play like the Rockets were playing. I think he understands the Sixers don't have anywhere near the personnel for that. But like, um, I think you'll be able to tell mostly by their shot profile. I know that we exaggerate like Maury's, um, well, I don't know if we exaggerate, but like it's not going to be as stark as it was in Houston when you're looking at the shot profile. But if you look at the just the kinds of shots that he's always valued, like even kind of before James Harden was in Houston, um, that might be telltale of whether uh, these two are on the same page. Um, all right, Joel, Joel and B load management. Daryl uh, has said, like, I think he said it on a podcast with Bill Simmons, he was like, about uh, about Yao Ming, who broke down from you know the NBA and and China national grind, we would have given him like six, three games. What w- what would you do with Joel? In terms of how many games he would play? Yeah, I yeah. I would just pencil. Like, I know it's a shortened season, so yeah. If we're doing an eighty-two game equivalent, like every single year, I would just pencil in like Joel Embiid's goal of appearances at sixty. Like that would be the target 60, yeah. goal. Sixty. And well, so here's the other thing, you know, like you mentioned before about the, you know, if Dwight's eating all these backup center minutes, that craters are spacing. So when Ben Simmons is really good, there's no, no loafing P center. You know, there's like, there's like, um, we know it's like even Jonah Bolden spotting up and he's, but Ben dominate. Yeah. I mean, if they could find like a, like, I don't know, do you go to Cornette? Yeah, like, or do you just go to Mike Scott at the five more because you know Simmons has the size to cover up, like, positionally if you need to fuss with matchups? Uh, I know, I think I suggested this not so much last season, but the season before and got hammered for it from Sixers fans, (laughs) which is not not an insult. Like, that's fine. I said, like... No, they'll hammer you for for being smart. (laughs) It's not, I'm not even sure if it's smart, but, like, can Ben Simmons actually play the five? And Probably not. No, he can't defend the five, but he can. Uh, I'd be willing to it, give up like that defensively, though, just to see how it works on offense. Like, what happens if like the Sixers actually ran a bunch of pick and rolls, but like Ben Simmons was also the role man in those scenarios and Embiid's off the court? I feel like yeah, it yeah. could work, but that's not the way that they've played. I don't know if they'll even test that out under Dot. I, I have yearned for small ball when Joe sits, and if anyone would try it, you'd think it's Daryl. And you know, let's go get a hundred and fifty minute sample and. Uh, Okay, random quick change. I teased you on one of your rankings. I was like, oh, Covington's too low. And then I looked at it and I was like, that was the worst take I've ever had. I don't even <laughs> remember it. And it it's like if it was coming was uh Middleton like still in Detroit at the time? Like Yeah, I was I was teasing you. I was like Middleton's too high and Covington's too low, and you were so, so, so right. <laughs> um Middleton's like all of a sudden like he's just divisive now. I when I was doing uh the top one hundred rankings, like when the season was over, I had him do in part because to all the injuries, like to stars, like Paul George didn't play a bunch. Kevin Durant didn't play. Steph Curry barely played. I had him right around the top 10. Uh, my Twitter mentions were like a, a, 
a disaster. They were a tire fire <laughs> for two days. Well, well you know what? The, the more time goes by, the more your work and forecasting looks pretty good. Well, I guess not so much with the way the Bucks ended in the playoffs. So that was like vindication for some. Eh, like, I think someone like Daryl Moore would say he, he wanted a podcast and he talked about do you really want to like take a narrative based on a four double bounce jump shot? Like, <laughs> do you want do you want to blow up your team because of like, you know? And the Bucks were probably actually, if we go back a couple years, one double overtime game win from beating Toronto, or at least being up three nothing over the champs, which probably ends the series. They win the title if um, if the Warriors get banged up, and then they maybe keep Brogdon. So. Maybe you weren't wrong. Um, and also, it's I, I, I think the one of the best ways to frame it is, no, Simmons and Embiid are not like the cleanest fits, but one, it's it's worked like in the regular season. And even last year where they weren't that good, like they were still in that plus when they shared the floor. And two, have they ever been in a situation where if you set out to build a team around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, has they ever been in a situation where the personnel around them actually made sense in that image? And the answer to me is no. <laughs> No, all right. So, who's the worst player you would trade one of them for? Would you would you trade Simmons for uh, Beal? Ooh, tough one because Beal's like still on the younger side. Um, he's good. He's good. He's older than Simmons, but I I think I would. And he's probably the worst player that I would trade Ben Simmons for. <laughs> what about not McCullough then? Would you say McCaw? CJ? Oh, McCollum? No, I wouldn't trade Ben Simmons. I thought you were talking about Patrick McCaw. I was like, so we're Ew. drinking now. <laughs> support for this podcast comes from smart water life moves pretty fast are you drinking water that can keep up smart water alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated no matter where your day takes you whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea smart water alkaline can help you perform your best it delivers a pure crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout elevate how you hydrate and pick up a smart water alkaline today to learn more visit drinksmartwater.com Well, the interesting thing is, don't you think that um, your standard in a Ben Simmons trade should be higher than in a prospective Joel Embiid trade? Like, who is who's feasibly the best player you could imagine getting back in a Joel Embiid trade? So, yeah, so I, it's a great question. I had these conversations with friends, and they were like, would you rather trade Ben for Harden or Joel for Harden? I was like, well, if I traded Joel... I could get those pick and rolls like Capella. <laughs> and I think it's a tough question. Joel has the higher upside. So I think it's tough, but I don't know. I don't know. These these questions, and if I'm down where I'm thinking like, can I get Levine? Can I get Oladipo? Can I get a third star somehow? Like a buy low star. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't trade either of them for a Levine or, or Oladipo, but... No, no, the, but can you trade other... What Maury is good at, and maybe my favorite is the highest upside scenario, rather than swapping star for star, can he suss out tomorrow's Harden? The leap that Oladipo took jumping from OKC to Indy, can he find that who's next guy and maybe offer you know some sort of package of Seth Curry, Matisse Seibel, and like three future picks for a guy who perfectly compliments it, you and I may not know yet. I no idea. You know what they really should hope is that Giannis leaves Milwaukee and then they can get in on like the fire sale of Chris Middleton being sold off and figuring out a way to do that without 
you know, by that point, Tobias Harris's contract like aligns with his a little bit. Like, what can you include in there to get it? Uh, I don't think Giannis is going to end up leaving Milwaukee, but like that's the mm. that's like mm. kind of the player this team needs. I mean, the player this team needs is probably Jimmy Butler, and that's like low hanging fruit at this point. But uh, I don't know if if, if Daryl Morey is the best GM ever. He can get them fifty percent of what they had in twenty nineteen. <laughs> sign, sign Butler and sign Redick. And you're good. Hey, Reddick's on an expiring deal. He might be available at the trade deadline. I don't know how you like, they don't really have like expendable salary filler. I don't think you can't give up green or Seth Curry for him. in, in my opinion, uh, just because they're going to be much better defensively, but like you could probably get JJ Reddick back on this team. Do you have, do you have any um, television show recommendations for people? Um, well, that one caught me off guard. Uh, I do not watch a lot of TV, but oh. one of my all-time favorite shows that I will rewatch um, whenever, uh, or if I just need something mindless to fall asleep, uh, New Girl is a big one for me. New Girl, okay. Um, and then one of the more underrated ones that only recently ended was I really enjoyed USA Suits. Um, I can I'm easy I'm easily placated when it comes to TV shows, but those are like. Um, that plus Psych, which was also a USA show, they're like three of my favorite shows of, of all time. I know James Roday is a big Spurs fan, though, so yeah, we count that. And I've, as active shows, like Superstore is one that uh, I really enjoy as well. And you have, you have kids, right? I do not have kids. God, oh, no. no, no kids. Okay. So you don't have to read like bedtime stories. No, I, my life is not conducive to having a family at the moment with the amount of hours I work. <laughs> Media is a tough racket these days. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm very fortunate like to, to do it, so I try and keep that. But yeah, it's definitely the, um, you know, it's, I would say for the fact that at the end of the day we cover a game, it's way too, it's like way more stressful than it needs to be. <laughs> are you, are you in, are you in New York City? No, I'm on um, Long Island. Please don't judge me for that, but I'm, oh, I'm out on Long Island. Yeah, the Jets, Jets fans. Oh, I'm I'm a Giants fan, luckily. So, okay, but it's better. Uh, Long Island is not like I can't. I don't want to say I can't stand Long Island. I grew up here, but so what's your what's your uh, all right? It's six. It's six p.m. Dinner's on the table. What are you doing to chill? <sighs> I can't even remember the last time I was done working by six p.m. Uh, all right. So 8 p.m. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I don't. I guess I don't really know. Like I've, I, this sounds so stupid, but like I just don't have a lot of downtime. And the, I guess my typical night is like when I'm done working. Like I try and get in like a, a really exhaustive workout is like my therapy. And that's not even a brag. If you saw me, it doesn't look like I do that. But <laughs> no, um, you want to exhaust yourself. My sister said the same. It's She's that's like, like my downtime. Like my my uh my my therapy my haven so that's like what i really do um i do like i try and block off sunday nights to just hang out with my wife so like the ideal night for me is just eating junk food um while watching like tv <laughs> and it could be whatever she did, wants to watch did the did the are right, so the lakers were the the lakers were the most losing his team for a 5 year period did they tank for a title no they, they were not terrible on purpose like that's the that's the thing is they like maybe more late season shenanigans in certain instances like the first year LeBron was there but they well, kind well, of, like trading like Lou Will for the pick and I, benching they, like yeah but they all like know. think about how involved they were in Paul George trade talks or 
them going out and signing Luel Deng and Timothy Mozgov. Like they tried to be good and expedite their situation um, <laughs> a bunch before they had LeBron and AD. Right, right, right. So, so if you got the beach, if you got LA, just just promote it, basically. Wait, I'm sorry. What? Like, l- let's say we're Knicks fans listening to this. Okay. What should we do to learn from the Lakers? Be in a better climate where there's no winner. <laughs> Maybe not have your like team be controlled by a, a buffoon named James Dolan. Like that has to. <laughs> I think it's become pretty clear that at, at least some of the bigger name players with options are going to look at that and know that you know unless there's already a young star in place, like I don't want to play for that like dumpster fire of a franchise. Yeah, do you think, like, Ingram and... I mean, and they hit the second pick every year. Like, Ingram, ball, oh my god. And then they got the, fir- the fourth pick. And so they had they had the capital to trade to be good. Um. So what do the Knicks do? I think... I mean, the Knicks need to, like, hit on some of their draft picks is what needs to happen. It's just not... I'm a big like Frank Nielakina stand, but like that's not the value you want when you're drafting consistently in the top eight um all these years and you you know, I don't think Kristaps was the answer there, but he was at least something you could point to as like a North Star. Um and I know he's a questionable human being as well. So like I'm not necessarily advocating for that, but you ended up like trading him for cap space that you did not parlay into two stars. And like, yeah, you have those two first round picks right. from Dallas coming, but they're not going to be good. So you need to find the guy and like maybe stick with him um, unless you actually do sign something. Like my whole thing is sign like pl- you can always create cap space no matter what your books look like. So like, like if, that's easy. If free agents want to come, let them say they want to come first when it's legal, like during actual free agency, then worry about like shifting around. But until then, like, you know, the Lakers, um, I think people might be you know, too high on like some of their draft track record, but like they drafted, they ended up with players at, I mean, one, they ended up with higher picks. Like that's definitely going to help, but they also ended up with players where even if they had questionable value, like Lonzo ball, Brandon Ingram, D'Angelo Russell, like those guys had a ton of upside and the Knicks have have you ever had, have you ever had a conspiracy theory where like, why do the Lakers always get the best pick? I would say if there was a conspiracy, the Knicks wouldn't have sucked for this long (laughs) or drafted outside the, the, as often as they have when they've been this bad. I know they just had the number two pick, uh, number three pick fair, with RJ fair, Barrett. Fair. But. And, and what do you think of Obi? I don't think it was the wrong pick is probably the nicest thing I could say. They desperately need spacing around Mitchell Robinson and RJ you, Barrett. You would have t- took Vassal or Denny? Um, I, I don't know if I would have taken Denny. I definitely would have taken Vassell or I'm really high on Tyrese Halliburton. And just given like the questionable playmaking um, options the Knicks have had since essentially the dawn of time at this point. Um, and what do you think of the whole, like, we'll get you if you went to Kentucky and you're CAA? Yeah, that's uh, that's an actual thing. Like, I'm not listening to, like, um, coincidence being spun. And I think the biggest evidence, like, aside from the players they have, is, like, you're saying you're rebuilding, but you hired your, you know, former client who is not known for rebuilding, to be the head coach of your franchise. And so like, that's where I think there's the, uh, that's where it gets like really toxic. Like so far they haven't done anything with the players where I'm like, all right, this is like out of control, but the, the tips higher, I still think for what the Knicks should be doing. And it seems like they're kind of maybe sort of potentially doing after this off season. I don't necessarily think that Tibbs is the, 
the best fit. And the reports were that he was advocating for a Westbrook trade or a Gordon Hayward signing. And so like, that's a huge disconnect from um, where the Knicks need to be. <sighs> yeah. Do you, do you think that Mitch and Obi are like a fit? Yeah, I mean, Obi is like a good enough shooter and it's functional shooting too, where I don't think he needs to be wide open and he's not going to take like a million years to uncork it. Um, and I think just because of what Robinson can do on the defensive end, even though he's going to foul a ton, uh, you can stash um, Toppin a little bit better because I don't think he's ever going to be a good defender. And that's what he's like. <laughs> is he, be a he problem. two dunks? Is this Amari versus David Lee? Wow. I haven't heard like that hybrid. Um, you, I think, you, you, you wrote a lot about David Lee versus Amari. I don't even remember. I've written too much stuff then. Oh, I found Look, your shit. I, you were I, right. You were right. You might, you're better off with David Lee than Omar. <laughs> yeah, that was, although I don't know, David Lee's contract didn't age all that well either. I think he got, they were still giving out six-year deals at the time, right? Is that what he got? I don't it even was, remember. It was but, brutal. Right. Um, but I guess the most popular comparison for Toppin has been uh, the Amari with a jump shot, like a, you know, a long-range shot. And I think that's, I don't know. Less athletic with a jump shot. I, I think it's, I think it's good because it means he's probably like maybe a little bit like, you want if you can't get a star, like you want guys who just can plug and play. And so I view him as more of that. I don't know that he's ever gonna be the guy that's like an actual franchise cornerstone. Their best bite at the apple of that is still RJ Barrett, which is I don't know how I feel about that. Like I th- I would say it's uh, it's alarmingly uncomfortable, is how well, I would put it. Alarmingly uncomfortable. <laughs> well just like you need someone what, what is what is RJ? What is RJ to you? Uh I, when you watch him play with the pace, like you do really see a lot of um, DeMar Rosen in him, oh. but is he ever going to become like a, a really competent mid-range shooter or a guy who can really get to the foul line a ton consistently? And then once he gets to the foul line, is he going to hit his shots? Um, the big, I know this might oversimplify it, but so much is just going to come down to his jumper because like defenses, they're going to go under him all the time. They're going to give up wide open threes. And you need him to be at least like respectable from that range. If not, you need him to be like DeMar DeRozan exactly. Otherwise, you know, I don't, you know, maybe he still turns out to be a good player, but he's not going to be someone that you're able to to build your team around. And that's what they're looking for right now is if you look at the Knicks, and this is my actual question to you, like, do they have an actual franchise cornerstone? No. And I, and I thought that was a similar question for the Lakers. Um, you know, me and my buddies were like, do they have a cornerstone? Like, how can they get AD? <laughs> and yeah, they had, they, they had Ingram, and Ingram had the uh, the shoulder thrombosis at the time. But the Knicks don't even have that. So. Right, like they don't even have the Ingram, you know, his last two years in LA, he ended up missing time, but like before he missed time, he was an absolute beast. Like, they don't even have that sample to point to of anyone where it's like, you know, this guy's been injured. We're not sure if he's the like the right answer, but he definitely could be. I don't even know if like you can't RJ's only one year deep, so maybe you could just you could still hold out hope, but there Correct. has not been like that type of evidence, um, certainly reoccurring evidence that you have anyone on the roster capable of being that directional tentpole. And the closest they've come, I I I think since Patrick Ewing, and I'm not even trying to be like an a-hole, is Kristaps Porzingis. And I don't even think that he's was that guy. But like who'd you say? Being a hole. Yeah, I, I mean, like, that's just, I'm trying to think of, like, was David Lee ever considered that player? And I don't think he was. And who, like, who should they get? Like, I guess they're looking for Booker and Cat because they've got uh, 
Kentucky and CAA. Well, the the thing, well, two things is like um, both of those like pursuits took a setback because Devin Booker's on a really good team now, and Cat is playing with one of his best friends. And the other thing that's like really awkward about the Knicks is their future draft picks definitely have value because they're the Knicks, but like they don't have like if a star becomes available, like if Cat, if Devin Booker ever became available, if Ben Simmons became available, like they don't have like the equity to get involved and make like the best offers because you need that attractive talent that they still don't have. Mitchell Robinson is fantastic, but he's not, no one's building their team around Mitchell Robinson. And so you like, you don't even have that Karis Levert. You've seen Mr. Robinson shooting for shooting videos. Look, Mitchell Robinson is an empty gym champion. Um, he'll put the ball on the floor. He'll take jumpers. But until I see it happen <laughs> consistently and efficiently in a game, I'm, I'm not holding out hope for it. What about, all right, so it's, the only people listening to this were Sixers fans. What about Seth Curry? How good is Seth Curry? Should he be in the starting lineup? Should Danny Green? I, I'm like, when you look at their roster, like what would be the alternative to starting Seth Curry and Danny Green? I'm not even trying to be like... No, you know, there's people who are like Seibel fans and Shake fans. I mean, I guess if you want to like preserve, like make sure that you have enough shooting coming off the bench, like maybe you sub out... Um, Danny Green for Thibault and have Green come off the bench. Um, that would be fine. But I think your your closing lineup, without question, has to be Simmons, Curry, Green, Harrison, and B. Right. Yeah, Rich Hoffman of the Athletic wrote a really good piece about closing lineups, which was a good argument against signing um, Horford. And I'll- I think for it to be like any different, you would really need to see like is Shake Milton going to be really good over the long term, or does Tyrese Maxey like one get an actual opportunity as a rookie, and two is he making an impact as a rookie? Shake Milton seems like a good like stopgap guy, where if you want someone who can handle the ball but also play alongside Ben Simmons and let him do his thing, like I wouldn't start him over Seth Curry, but it feels like he can at least play with the talent that the Sixers have. But I, I also haven't seen like enough of him to know that that's definitive. He absolutely delivered against right doc and that's like like almost a concern for me i'm like oh is doc, <laughs> is doc gonna think that shake is like the guy <laughs> yeah like simmons is your sixth man now because shake milton needs to start yeah and is it like this i don't think it's this type of flash in the pan but it's the similar where anthony simons in portland just went off to end the uh i think 2018 2019 season um he was just hitting all these off the dribble jumpers over the final 10 games and he was just anointed as like untouchable in portland and then he he was terrible last year dan don't go through my don't go through my twitter because i had so much anthony simons from yourself or a blazers fan for me i was like oh anthony simons is really good i gotta say the fan base that i receive the most pushback from consistently and it's like i don't even mean this in a bad way is the blazers fan base where they're like they they one they know their stuff but like you know I do think they need to understand that, like, I'm not looking at, like, you know, I'm not watching as many Blazers games as you, so I apologize if I don't know, like, the exact angle that happens when Zach Collins is, like, moving to his left. Um, but, like, they can be, like, they they call me out all the time, and they really do. <laughs> Wait, like, what about Knicks fans? What do Knicks fans say? Uh, I don't, like, the Knicks have been so bad that I haven't had to cover them consistently. Uh, there's, when I make jokes about them, like, they're the protective Knicks fans, but I actually dropped, like, a, a 2,500-word piece on the Knicks offseason that was... Um, surprisingly well received by Knicks fans. Uh, hey, so hey. Um, that's like that's always fun. Like when a fan base is like not mad at you because I don't like angering fan bases. Um, my ego is very fragile. So if you're in my Twitter mentions calling me names, 
Portland and New York, Philly, they haven't been as lucky as LA, you know, landing LeBron. They definitely, the first year, I mean, if you look at it in this context, like they shut down LeBron his first year there. And one of the reasons I'm not, they still could have gotten him, but like one of the things that swung the Anthony Davis trade was that they moved up to fourth in the lottery. And they were like, yeah, you want to come here? We'll, we'll trade all these lottery picks and max contracts for you. He was like, oh, okay, fine. Yeah, but that's so, this may be too into the weeds, but like that's the, I know people said the Lakers overpaid and I thought that they probably gave up a hair too much given that it was a market of one for Anthony Davis. Um, but my whole thing is you gave up Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and even Josh Hart, like all three guys need new contracts within two years of joining New Orleans. Ingram already has his, like that has to be, Obviously, the Lakers don't care about that, but if you're the receiving team, like that, absolutely has to be factored into the, like the, to the asset value because like you. No, have- I I would love I would love Lonzo, like like Lonzo looks good to me. Like he changed his shot. Um, with the exception of towards the end of last year, like he's too roller coaster. I do think, um, if I was a team, I'd be calling New Orleans about Lonzo. He's going to be a restricted free agent if he doesn't sign an extension, and they have. Um, they just drafted, they were the team that drafted Kyra Lewis. Uh, they have Nikhil Walker, Alexander, uh, who I actually really like long-term and this shouldn't be a reason why they would get rid of Alonzo, but they also have, also have Eric Bledsoe there. So like, that's a lot of guys that like to have the ball in their hands. <laughs> I think Lonzo can be really, um, really good, but I would like to see him surrounded by better spacing than he's had in new Orleans, even though they were, they were like a pretty good three point shooting team last year. Um, I want to see him not just running the floor, but like, I want to see like basically five out lineups. If you include Lonzo ball. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a shooting nerd. And I think he literally, like, I think he actually changed his shot a little bit. Like, Oh, the difference, like aesthetically, um, my, my inexpert opinion, there's definitely a difference there. And there's like a more play, uh, not well. Like I used to have a pickup game before the global pandemic, like on the weekends. Um, What did you play? Uh, oh, when I was actually in like an official league, which was never like a, the highest level of basketball I have played full stop right now was I made a, like travel teams when I was younger. So I never even made like high school varsity. Um, I was at the time I was tall and like lanky. So I was just a center who could, I used to be able to shoot. How tall are you? Now I'm like almost six foot. So like now I wouldn't be a center. I would be like, I'm like five eleven. An actual 5'11". This isn't someone on, like, a dating app saying, I'm 5'11", but I'm 5'8". Yeah. When you were, like, in high school? I played I played in high school. I'm a good shooter. I, I used to be able to stand still shoot. I can't even do that anymore. I do have, um, and I have, I have people that will confirm, I do have a wicked lefty hook shot. Um, but I will also, like, I love playing, like, I love passing and playing defense now. A, le- a lefty hook shot is absurd. Um, straight out of the 1990s too. Like when we play, like I'll just have to post up because that's the only shot I know that I can hit like consistently. I was a D3 tennis player in college. The extent of my <laughs> athletic prowess. Just, uh, I was just intramurals in college. Oh, okay. I, I, I played against some of the JV guys, but they were better than me for sure. I was at Penn State for a year and did like intramural, um, d- like basketball and tennis. And like the level of play, like of people who are in intramurals, like at the college level is still just ridiculous. <laughs> okay. So interesting, big takeaway, no Ben for beard, but at least tempted for Beal. At least he'd be the worst. Huh? That's interesting. I guess it's a very long-term view. No, I wouldn't do it. I definitely not right now. It. I think that they should, 
Like, I'm even trying to think of, like, what's the player that I would actually trade Ben Simmons for right at this moment. Um, you Obviously, you would put Luka Doncic on that, but that's never going to happen. I just don't know that the list is, you know, I, I just I don't even know that, like, it's that long. I, I want to see another half season of this team. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with and you. My, my hot take would be, this is the callous approach, but if you're going to trade one of them, um, I know Simmons probably nets you more value, but theoretically to me, um, trading Joel Embiid would make more sense. Although I guess you run into the issue of like, well then, at least Joel Embiid is like more of an off-ball threat right now than Ben Simmons. So if you put Ben Simmons alongside Harden, like how does that actually work? Would you do, um, and it, it doesn't work straight up, but would you do Embiid? for Harden straight up right now. Uh, like if nothing, it would have, it would, there there would be no salary attached to it. I think it would have to be Mike Scott and Embiid to make the money work. If we were getting that far into the weeds, <laughs> if um, there's no PR. Yeah. I think that would be like, make the Sixers better than if you did Ben, but I prefer the, the find a third star way. I, th- I think I'm with you. Um, it's just the way I talk about Joel Embiid sometimes. It's like in ancient terms, and he's still only t- 26. It's just that he's had like eight different careers at this point um, he, with all he's he gone He is the Sixers. He is the Sixers. Right, and it's I like, think that, that definitely matters. Like fans would be like he's yeah, like, the identity yeah. of the fan base. So I'm not advocating <laughs> for it. I'm just saying if, if you were looking at this from like the cold, um, distant business perspective, I think long term, if you had to move one of these guys, it makes more basketball sense um to move yeah, yeah. Joel and beat them uh, yeah Simmons. i think you're right i think you're right i think you're on something um i hope they don't they need to they're not going to i'd be shocked if they did but i'm i don't know if no. i i think the sixers are like comfortably a top three four team in the east this season really yeah i think i I did a predictions i was on another podcast and i think i put them third and like i wasn't I'm not going to say I knew the Horford signing was going to be a disaster. I would say I was morbidly curious about how it would work because it was like, oh, like this could really work, but I never thought that they were going to be like dominant. So um, I think this year's roster, when you look at it on paper, makes so much more sense and should be much better than than last year's team. All right, this was great. Yeah, man, thanks so much. This was this was amazing. No problem. This was fun. Thanks.